Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I am your host, Kevin Knight, here with my co-host today, special guest, George Carmi from... I'll let, you, I'll let you tell him where you're from because you got a lot going on, George. But of course, he is at <laughs> GCarmy21 still on the Twitters. Well, I appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you for having me. No, I appreciate yes. it. It's definitely having me on. I love talking um, football. I'm um, George Carmi at GCarmy21. I collaborated with Kevin last year. We have a good relationship. We're looking forward to kind of previewing the game. Um, I'm a writer for fullpresscoverage.com. I'm the managing editor for the um, you know, for that publication there. Um, I have a podcast named Command the Mic podcast on um, YouTube. And, you know, generally speaking, I do a lot of collaborations and talk about the commanders all day long. So I'm just happy to kind of preview this game and have a conversation. Can I see where we go? <clears throat> yeah. And no one better, I think, to get the the feel of the commanders. Uh, because I, we were talking before the show, it feels like these teams are like <laughs> playing each other frequently. It's like a mini di- division game here. I think maybe three of the last four years we've played the commanders. So something uh, like that. Kind of a little bit of a scheduling quirk, but hey, it's it's they've been very entertaining games, so I can definitely think of, of a worse opponent uh, from the entertainment factor for sure. <laughs> uh, kind of how these two teams have been going so far too, very hard to predict. So we'll we'll dive right into that in just a second, guys. Real quick, want to bring you a word from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Folks, football is back and BetOnline is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news score, and matchup breakdowns that you need. You can get the latest game on spreads and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Just remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and you know if you're looking for betting advice i I generally tell you of course on this show not to bet on your own team because the heart gets in the way you don't bet with your head but this one this one has some interesting stuff in it um and i'll just always say of course to to hammer that that Bijan receiving uh over typically but uh i'll dive into that real quick here as i get to a word from today's other sponsor prize picks hey folks welcome back to this week's prize picks segment for week six Got another set of bangers. Hopefully, we'll do better than we did last week, right? Before we get to that, do you want to remind you folks about Prize Picks, which today's show, of course, is brought to you by Prize Picks? is a skill based daily fantasy game where you pick two to six players and decide if they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. The more players you pick, the more you can win all the way up to 25 times your money on any entry. And at Prize Picks, you're not competing against other people like on other daily fantasy platforms. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks also has a generous promotion schedule, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. So make sure to check back during the week for those. It's also not just NFL stuff. Uh, they offer projections on any sport you watch, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, whatever. It's all there. And Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less and they offer fast withdrawals it's that easy and all first-time users that deposit and use our promo code dbb for dirty birds and brews will receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 that means if you deposit 100 prize picks will give you 100 if you deposit 50 prize picks will give you 50 and just a quick reminder on where you guys can play prize picks is daily fantasy so it's available in 31 states including washington dc 
and most of Canada. It's the best way to have action on the game in states like California, Florida, Texas, Georgia, notably, and over 70% of the United States. So this week's picks, we're going back to the well. You know, I got off of, of Bijan's receiving, uh, and that was a mistake, obviously, because it didn't it didn't hit, you know. But this week, we're going back to it. We got Bijan more than 24 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I just, I, he, he's hit... He's had less receiving yards than that one time. That was last week, coincidentally. But uh, with the rest of the passing game clicking, click they didn't have to rely on Bijan quite as much. I think this week against a very good te- uh, commander's pass rush, they're going to be more likely to, to hit the dump off to Bijan in this one. And I think, as you know, he can take any catch for big yardage. Uh, also, going back to Young Wei Koo, uh, who has had his uh, number adjusted up to seven uh fantasy points that used to be six and a half for the first five games so a little bit of acknowledgement that the coup's probably hitting that um last week he had uh at least three opportunities for field goals taken away by the offense's miscues and i think they're going against a good red zone defense in washington so i think Koo will definitely be able to put uh, a pair of field goals and maybe an extra point or two up on the board and that's all you need to hit that seven number so more than seven kicking points for young way Koo, and then uh, on the Washington side of things, I'm going to go with Logan Thomas, who has actually been sort of a featured part of Washington's passing game. The Falcons have had a propensity to give up some yardage to tight ends, give up some big plays to tight ends. We've seen Sam Laporta do it. We saw Dalton Schultz and taking Quintoriano last week. Um, and we saw you know Hayden Hurst have his best game of the season in week one against Atlanta. So uh, Logan Thomas, more than 36 and a half receiving yards, I think. Uh, is is one of the better ones I like on the Washington side of things. He's been one of their more consistent pass catchers as well, just from that angle. So, uh, guys, feel free to use mine or pick your own. Just remember when you sign up to use our code DBB for that 100% deposit match up to $100. Thanks again to Prize Picks for sponsoring today's episode. All right, we're back with George Carmi here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. George. Before we dive into the matchup specifically, just want to get your, your temperature sort of on the commanders through five games. These two teams both started out 2-0, and both went on a little two-game skid, and the Falcons won last week. Commanders had that that Thursday night football game from hell. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'm that was not great. I'm on this, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm yeah. Also- I'm also a season ticket holder too, so definitely had some personal yeah. effect to me. I saw that right in person, row seven, saw that. Um, you know, my wife's also a Bears fan, so it definitely kind of stung a little bit. But um, if you're asking me, I'm level. Um, we'll talk about that more as we kind of go through our, you know, X's and O's throughout the show. If we're talking about the fan base, it's very, very low right now. Um, for the listeners, check me out on G- at GKarma21. I put up a question the other day. I said, you know, what's your confidence level going into the game? Almost unanimously low. I think everyone's very disappointed, kind of heartbroken about what happened going into last week's game. Um, going into the season, there was, ver- there was a lot of optimism. You know, like we had a new owner, Dan Snyder left, Josh Harris, their owner, um, Magic Johnson's a part owner. It was kind of a new era in D.C. Uh, we were building around a rookie quarterback, so there was some optimism as well with that. I don't think it's completely washed away, but it definitely has been a rocky road. You know, it's been an up and down season. Uh, we started off week one against the Cardinals. Um, we thought we were going to blow them out. Um, we actually got down quickly, and then our defense saved the day, and we came back. We won the game. Um, Sam Howell looked pretty inspiring that game, so we got some confidence from that game. Uh, we go to the Broncos. Broncos get up early, real, you know, real big, pretty early on us. Um, was scary. And then we actually came back and we won that game 35-33 in a really thrilling game. So we're like, oh, you know, 2-0, maybe maybe something's going on. You know, Sam Howell's throwing the ball around. Our offense is looking pretty good. 
Then we got smacked by Buffalo, 37-3. Sam Howell had his worst game as a pro. He had, I believe, four interceptions that game, sacked nine times, eight times. It goes a lot. He got sacked a lot, and he looked very out of place. That was a big concern question mark game. Um, we go into the Eagles game. We go toe-to-toe with the Eagles. We're up at halftime, 17, I think, 17-7, 17-10. Uh, we fight toe-to-toe. We lose to the Eagles. We tie in. Like, we have to lose in overtime against the Eagles, which gives a lot of inspiration. So people don't like saying moral victories, but there was a moral victory game against Philadelphia, and there's all the confidence in the world against the Bears. Like, you know, guys, you know, from our perspective, it was we have the Bears, we have the Falcons, we have the Giants next. We're going to get some momentum. Three wins in a row. Let's go. Let's kind of, like, step it up. Let's, you know, this is how we turn the season around. And then we just lay an egg on Thursday night football, you know, nationally and all the clout, all the sticking our chest out, all the pride just got sucked out of us. And it, just, it hurts. And that's kind of where we're at right now. And um, we'll talk about it more. So I don't want to keep talking, but like, I hope that they're what the, the players got embarrassed. I hope I think they did from what we kind of are gathering around here and they should be more focused going into the Atlanta games. <clears throat> yeah. Thursday night football is always kind of wacky too. It's just, it's a difficult place to play uh you don't have a lot of time to prepare and you know that i think that seems like the washington defense might have already been sort of reeling going into that game with some secondary shifts and some things like that so just maybe things compounded against the bears uh who weren't necessarily known for their offense going into that game maybe, <laughs> maybe but again you, you never know if it's like oh is this a sign that we're really bad or is this a sign that they're actually about to be thought of as really good uh, obviously you hope it's more of the, the latter and not the former, but, uh, it can be hard to tell immediately in the moment. So I understand that. And, you know, Falcons on a similar trajectory, uh, started at two and O with some close games, but very inspiring, particularly the way week two ended with Desmond Ritter, uh, playing off a 12 point fourth quarter comeback to beat the Packers. Um, same thing happens to the Falcons in week three that happens to the commanders. Uh, Desmond Ritter gets sacked, I think seven times in the game, the offensive line collapses and they they fall to what we all know is the superior opponent you know for the for the bills really tough opponent for the commanders and the lions who are looking like one of the top really nfc team. contenders mm-hmm. so it doesn't sting as much in hindsight but it, it's never fun to be on the, on the other end of a loss like that but um going to week four Desmond murder has his worst game against the jaguars in london and then week five has his best ever game uh and sort of a rebound for the whole team against <clears throat> excuse me Against the Texans, who were sort of a rising team as well. So Falcons fans feeling definitely better after seeing Ritter finally do it uh, for a whole game before we had seen the flashes and some quarters here and there. But this was his first ever sort of complete game. So a lot of hope there for Falcons fans going into this week six matchup. But um, let's check in on the injury report before we dive into the matchups, because I I know for the Falcons, it's thankfully still uh, pretty slim this week. It looks like uh, the only player that's that was limited today was a uh, right tackle Caleb McGarry who did leave last week's game only played about 50% of the snaps he's been limited two games or excuse me two days of practice and then we've got tight end Johnny Smith and defensive end Bud Dupree returning to full practice along with uh, defensive end Clay's Campbell who was just resting on Wednesday how are things looking over in Washington I know there were some injuries early but I have I haven't gotten a, a firm glimpse since maybe a few weeks ago so it's it's a mixed bag. So if you're looking at the weekly report, I'm looking at it right now, right there with you. Curtis Hodges is a reserve tight end. He's not going to play a major role in the game anyway. Same thing with Christian Holmes. Charles Leno's our starting left tackle. He's been pretty steady as a left tackle, and he's been pretty consistent in regard to starting. I think he has like 34 straight starts. He'll be fine. 
F.A. Abad is coming off of injured reserve, and Curtis Samuels will play full participant as well. So for like the day-to-day, that's good. For long-term, there is a concern. I don't know if you caught it over in Atlanta yet, but, um, you know, we had Derek Forrester starting free safety. Um, he was, a you know, pretty solid free safety, one of our turnover machines for our team last year. Uh, he has a fractured shoulder, and he basically is on injury reserve. He's not going to be playing. He's not going to be playing for at least four weeks, and they're concerned that he might even play, not play for the rest of the year. They are right. hopeful that he'll come back, like, you know, eight weeks from now or something like that. Um, we like the speed in the back end. Um, the way Washington plays defense is Cam Curl will drop down more so in the box, more like a we call dimebacker or Buffalo Nichols, we call him in DC. And he was actually, um, you know, for us, he, he kind of had a rough year so far. He's been pretty good, but not, there's been some lapses. But, you know, obviously we're at 30 points per game, but he's gone. So we have a reserve, we're going to have a reserve um, safety back there. And the other one, more. It might not necessarily show up on a stat sheet, but Jeremy Reeves, um, he has a partially torn ACL. He's a reserve safety. Um, so Washington's down a couple um, safeties over there. But the bigger issue is Jeremy Reeves was an all-pro special teamer. He was our gunner on special teams. He called the plays. He, he was, you know, he actually was pretty significant in that regard. He's a, you know, so we're losing our best gunner on special teams, we're losing our starting free safety. And um I don't know if you want to go into the ripple effects. Do you want to talk about that right now? Or Sure. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. So the way it's going to work is that like um, the ripple effects is that, you know, Derek Forrest is going to be, you know, sorry, he's gone. So Cam Curl we will take the one safety position spot. The other spot's going to be kind of up for grabs. Like currently Percy Butler has been um, starting there. He's done a pretty decent job. He's had ups and downs. He's a second year player. Um, I like his speed. I like his instincts, but you know, he still has a rookie growth. And then Quan Martin, who was our second-round pick, a very polarizing pick in D.C. because we we he's more of like a um like a free safety nickel kind of like hybrid player, and he basically was a second-round pick. And we needed offensive line help, but we selected him. And so far this year, he hasn't played not one snap on defense. He's more like a special teams player. Like people are you know, people are saying you know he's a bust. You know what's going on with him? People are not really happy with him. But now he's being thrust into the a depth role, and he's going to play. And then we'll talk about Emmanuel Forbes, who's our first-round picks, and he's been kind of uh, up and down too. So two novice players on the defensive end. We're kind of worried about that when they're the reeling defense right now too. Yeah, uh, I definitely thanks for the insight there. I, I did see the the Derek Forrest. You know, that's obviously a big one. I was a huge Derek Forrest guy uh, in the draft. Uh, so I was, people love Derek Forrest. Yeah, yeah he got, uh, so he got I was. Yeah, I was I was definitely in on him. Um, looked like he was having a good start to his career, so that is very unfortunate to hear. And also, the Cam Curl super underrated safety for yeah, for Washington. Yeah, I, agree. Um, I agree. Just I feel like he's one of those guys people don't really know about. But if you ever watch uh, the Commanders, you can see him pop. Um, but yeah, that's that's a great segue into these matchups. And um, you know, you mentioned it. The, the Commanders' defense, like I I was shocked because. I, I, this was one of my defenses that I was like, oh, I think this is going to be a really good defense this year. I want to take this defense in fantasy like later um, because they're, I think they're going to create a lot of sacks and opportunities for turnovers. And it just it hasn't turned out that way. Is that mostly a has that been an injury thing? Has that been Jack Del Rio, you know, somehow? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of takes on that, but what do you think the is- the main issue that you would circle to uh, for the commander's defensive struggles? So for one, that's the million dollar question in DC right now. We're all kind of asking about that. We're all kind of scratching our heads. Um, my answer would be like synergy, right? I think the offensive, like in the front, our defensive line is not necessarily coexisting with the back end. There's a lot of talent. I think we have six first round picks on our defense. Um, they, we've had a defensive coordinator for four straight years. A lot of these players have been um, 
and have been together for years now. The only new addition to our starting unit is Cody Barton. He's a he's our like kind of he's a he's a linebacker that we have. He's more of a reserve linebacker that we have. Um, from Seattle, so we have him as more of a run stopper. These are only new additions, so everybody, even all the beat reporters here, the Washington Post guys, everybody was like, you know what? Washington's defense is going to be elite. They have a pretty, I think they were seventh overall last year, adding a first round pick. Chase, Chase Young is coming back, he's going to play, you know, he's coming off, you know, that long term injury that he had. They thought there was going to be a lot of growth, and um. I will say there we have played some pretty good teams. We played Philadelphia, we played Buffalo. Um, that's pretty solid. You know, Denver, you know, we'll throw that out the window. And Justin Fields, I can't believe Justin Fields. Like I, I'm, a, I'm the biggest like in, I'm biggest antagonist against Justin Fields. I can't believe he had that with us. Um, but it just it just it's schematic is what I'm thinking because um, for those of you that you know, if you're, I hope you start following me as well and kind of pay attention to what I'm producing. On Tuesdays, I have PFF Nick Acreage. He's actually one of our – he's a big Washington fan. We actually do a show together. We kind of break down X's and O's. And he was walking me through it. And basically, Washington has been playing a lot of man this year. Um, I, I guess they wanted to kind of work the numbers with, like – we've had three mobile quarterbacks in a row. We had Josh Allen, we had Justin Fields, and we had um, Jalen Hurts. And I believe and I believe they were trying to work that matchup and kind of, like, keep everything, like, in a crowd and kind of help work the numbers game. Um, and – asking our players to be more um more like you know attacking and more like you know try to intercept the ball and it's been a counter effect because they've been going for interceptions they've been going for knockdowns and giving up explosive plays for those of you that watch Thursday Night Football you know DJ Moore went crazy 230 yards missed tackles it was just ugly across the board and um you know I'll, I'll stop on this I'll pause on this like Emmanuel Forbes has kind of been a liability in defense. We were worried about that because he's supposed to be a ball hawk. And the question was, he's 165 pounds. How's his game going to transit at the pro level? And he hasn't been very active and very physical in the run game. And that's been kind of a weak link in our defense. Yeah, it's it's just been so like just strange for an outsider that's not getting it. But I, I know Jack Del Real has been taking some heat for years. Um, <laughs> and it, it seems like that's not cooling down anytime soon. Um you know, looking closer, I, obviously, I think the strength of that defense is the defensive line. And it seems like Chase Young really is having a nice bounce back season, finally healthy. Obviously, Montez Sweat is awesome. Um, there will be many a Falcons fan tweeting at you probably about, you know, hey, what's the asking price for Chase Young? Not, exactly. you know, <laughs> and that's a good segue real quick. Just just a little little tangent. Um, what do you think the chances of, say, the commanders are doing really well or maybe aren't doing very well? That, that Chase Young is moved in season, or do you think that's more of a potential off-season decision? Tribute to what I think 0% are in mid-season. I think they're going to kind of – I think this whole year is a trial and error. I think with that we have a new owner. We're kind of like doing the self-assessment, kind of watching the team flush out. Um, that goes for Ron Rivera. That goes for Jack Del Rio. That goes for all the major players on our team. Um, I don't see him being traded mid-season. Um, I, I think – from what I've gathered from people that I talk to, the team values Montez Sweat more than Chase Young. They're both going to be free agents at the end of the year. And they also value um, Cam Curl. So there is – Washington's going into a pretty advantageous salary cap. Actually. They have $80 million available in salary cap. So they can afford everybody. They can afford Montez Sweat and Chase Young as well as um, Cam Curl. But is it wise to pour all that money into the defensive line? Because they've already paid um, John Allen. They've already paid Deron Payne. You know, they, I think they believe both of them have top 10 tackle money. Yeah. Are you going to really flush out the line, especially when you're giving up 30 points a game? Like, is it really justified to do so? So um, if I were going to make a bet right now, I think they would long-term Montez Sweat, sign Cam Curl, and maybe franchise tag Chase Young if he basically um, has a good finish of the year. 
Um, to give you guys some more context, Chase Young is a physical specimen. He's explosive, but he kind of gets on the ire of the coaches because he's kind of known for freelancing a little bit. You might even see it on the game on Sunday because he, he is a physical freak. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go get the sack. And he basically will try to get the sack, but he won't honor his rushing lanes. And then basically it kind of leaves people susceptible. And we saw that with Josh Allen against the Bills. I don't foresee Desmond Ritter running all over us, but dude, who knows after what, after what we saw with the Bears <laughs> game. Yeah, he runs a 4-5, technically. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. very fast. Yeah, exa but, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. But um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, the last thing I'll say, just for your listeners, John Allen had a plantar fasciitis during um, the training camp. And I think he got – He's the captain of the defense. John, John Allen's our best player, but you can see that he's not firing on all cylinders. I think he is a little bit injured in regard to that, but he's still playing. He's, he's fighting through it. Yeah, yeah. No, John Allen's, you know, Grady Jarrett, two guys that I think, you know, deserve credit on the interior of their defensive lines for for, for really uh, <laughs> struggling there, sometimes uh, languishing a little bit. But um, we'll start. You mentioned the run defense and, and how that's playing. We'll start there because that that's going to be the area where the Falcons look to attack always. And they... They've had two down weeks against pretty good run defense. Houston statistically was decent in some categories, not so good in others, but the Jaguars have shown that they're a very good run defense. They were able to really limit Atlanta's offense in week four, but commanders right now, 4.8 yards per carry over 130 yards per game on the ground. Uh, how, how much do you, is, does that Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier duo concern you in this particular matchup? It does concern me. Like, and I, I want, so I'm happy to be on the show because I want to hear from you as well. Um, I do think B. John Robinson is a very talented player. I think he's very dynamic. He's a, from what I got, he's a three down back too. You can catch the ball out of the backfield and pretty dynamic in that regard. Um, I'm, I'm curious what Washington will do because in theory, the defensive line is our strength. It should be able to stop the run. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, I, like I said before, John Allen, I'm concerned about the run stopping game there. And I'm concerned about the, the more of the, um, I'm more concerned about rushing lanes, like, like in regard to the pass rush. Right? Like we've had Jalen Hurts run on us, we had Josh Allen run on us. Just the field's a smaller extent, so I, I'm I'm curious if we can stop the run game. I'd assume Washington's game plan is to take Bijan Robinson out of the game and just have Desmond Ritter try to beat us that way. But we'll see how that goes. So I, you know, if I, answering honestly, I can't be confident because they haven't really showed us anything yet. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, because the. You know, the Falcons are going to test everybody on the defense to see if they can tackle. And on, on defenses that have a lot of really good tacklers, I think they've tended to struggle more. But I think in Washington, you have some really good tacklers in Kendall Fuller and, and Benjamin St. Juice. But I think Emmanuel Forbes has been a liability as a tackler. Mm -hmm. Cody Barton seems to have struggled as a tackler 100%. a bit. Um, and then losing Derek Forrest, who I, I, again, I think is a, is a very good run defending safety. Um, it's, it's sort of eliminating some of those guys that you probably could count on more to to stop the run and the Falcons are going to test. They'll, they'll run outside zone. If they think your corners can't tackle, they'll run up the middle. If they think you have a poor interior, that's not really the case in Washington, obviously, but um, they're going to test you and see if there's a weakness there. And obviously and the thing about Bijan is that he can just turn any run into a positive gain. It doesn't matter how mm -hmm. bad it is. Um, and he can turn a, a mediocre blocked run into a big gain. So that that's just what he brings. And honestly, yeah, I would say Bijan as a receiver has been as impressive. Um, has he been a home run pick for you guys? Have you guys completely He's, happy with him? You guys, the first two games, I think, without Bijan Robinson, they would not have won. Um, it's, it's okay. like he just had some plays that it was like I'm not sure anyone else on this team could have made that play. <laughs> um, and that's with guys like Kyle Pitts and Drake London out there who are, are very good in their own right. But um, yeah, Bijan has has been a stabilizing force, and like they they clearly trust him 
um, as a wide receiver, uh, which I think might be a little premature. They, they've, if I've, you know, the QB school has been doing some stuff on Ritter and his sort of roller coaster season. Um, yeah. And he was looking at it and he's like, there have, you know, Bijan Robinson is basically out there running option routes, like as a, <laughs> as a rookie running a back. Rookie. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that's, that's not something he's been asked to do before. <laughs> so he looks yeah. a little hesitant on those. And I think that's a little much to ask from him, but um, they, they are confident in him doing that. Um, and I, if, once he figures out the finer points of receiver, he's very much going, you know, before the season, I told people this is like, you know, you look at Debo Samuel and he and Bijan Robinson are almost a one-to-one athletic comp. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now Bijan is a much more comfortable runner and is, is able to taking a lot more carries, but, mm-hmm. and Debo's a much more polished receiver, but he's that type of player. That's just a true two-way threat. And once he learns the finer points of receiver, I would not be surprised if he's if he's not lined up in the backfield. That if he's just he's just a wide receiver for them at that point. So evolving um, over time, yeah. So yeah. It, he's been a fu- he's been one of the most fun things week to week to watch uh, for sure. So I'm excited. Like I like to be. Honest, I don't know if you caught it like through my Twitter. Kind of way we follow each other just through the grapevine. He was a hot topic even in Washington. They're like we should yeah. get Bijan Robinson. We should draft him. And people were really excited about getting him. So I do want to see him live and in person. Um, is it safe to say that he's the engine that kind of runs the Falcons' offense in your opinion, or what do you think? They they really rely on a lot of guys, but I I do think that Bijan is arguably the most important offensive player right now. Um, okay, they do still give plenty of carries to Tyler Algier, who they really, you know, who's had a really good game in Week One and then kind of been the second fiddle to Bijan since then. But he's their their grinder. He's the guy that they're going to send out there at the end of the game to to run the clock out. At least that's what they would like to do. They haven't really been able to do mm-hmm. that much this year, but. Um, and he's he's very difficult to tackle, so you, you get hit with those two very different running styles. And yeah, I know that's what the commanders were trying to do too with, with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson hasn't with Brian Robinson, good. Antonio Gibson exactly right. not so great mm-hmm. so far. Um so you know, we'll we'll see how that develops on, on your end as well. But yeah, I the Falcons are gonna try to lean on the run game as much as possible. But as you mentioned, teams have keyed on that. You know, you look at Houston's game plan and they basically sold out to the run game. And I, that's part of the reason why Ritter had a lot of favorable looks and credit to him for the first time. He actually saw the favorable looks and, and took advantage of them. Um, you know, in weeks three and four, he was very hesitant. You could tell that like seven sack game against the Lions got to him a little bit. He looked a little spooked out there, um, but really stabilized this week. So good for him. He, he took a lot of heat, a lot of criticism for that week four game. I saw that um, game and I was, like, yeah. I was wondering yeah. if you guys were going to turn it to the Heineke. Well, yeah. I was wondering if you guys were even thinking about that. So I was interested. So, so are you happy with Ritter? Do you think he's going to be, I mean, I think, you, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but I mean, do you see long-term planning with him? Do you see the rest of the season with him? Like what's your vision? What's your interpretation of Desmond Ritter? I mean, going into the season, I was telling people to bet the Ritter overs on passing because they were at like 2000 yards. Cause so the oh, Vegas was basically, <laughs> was assuming yeah. he was going to be benched. Um, yeah. So I was like, I, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be benched. Mm-hmm. And I, I was saying, I was telling people, you know, I think by the end of the season, we'll see that he's an NFL player. Like he can, he can run an offense, but I, I wouldn't make a prediction in terms of, is he a guy that you want to be your starter or is he a guy that can be your starter? Um, mm-hmm. But for a third round pick, you know, you're not, you're not upset if that guy just turns into a good backup. The really um, dark throw, exactly right. So it, mm-hmm. you know, he, I think he's at least that at this point, the jury is very much still out on Desmond Ritter at, Obviously, it's better to be coming off your best game than your worst game, which week four was his worst <laughs> game. Week five was his best game. So um, 
you know, not expecting it to be as good as last week, every week, but the Falcons did face some very tough defenses, especially early on in the season. So, um, you know, I was surprised that this Washington one maybe looks a little bit easier on paper than it is, but you know, that, 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 that may be another opportunity for, for Ritter to build back to back momentum here in the passing game. And, also lead to his undefeated home record through college and the NFL, that. where he is, I believe, <laughs> now 31 and 0 and, yeah, and at home. Yeah. So if we could just play every game at home, I think we'd be in pretty good shape. Uh, we do yeah, have nine home games this year, so maybe we just get to the I've been there before. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's lovely. It there. It's nice. It's lovely. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, you know, moving to the past defense of, of the Commanders, we, we've already talked about it a little bit, but you know, the Falcons do have the weapons. They haven't necessarily been consistent in pass protection. They haven't necessarily been consistent in the quarterbacking. But at the same time, commanders also have been very inconsistent in the secondary, particularly Emmanuel Forbes. So what's your level of concern for the past defense? Is it something that you think could just snap into place? Or is this more of a, we might have to fix this in the offseason sort of problem? To be honest with you, I do think it could step into place. Like, I'm not trying to be – like, I'll always be honest on this show. I do think they have the potential to do that. The concern is um, – I guess long-term concern is that there, there's talk about not even starting Emmanuel Forbes. Right? For one, he's more of like our third CB right now. Anyway. We kind of like recommend during favorable matchups. But um, I think they're talking about benching him, you know, kind of like he'll be dressed for the game and then kind of slide him in when they need to because I think – the NFL is kind of a very creative league where you basically, when there's blood in the water, they're going to keep attacking it, right? So, like, let's, I'm sure your offensive coordinator like, has seen him in your form. Like, yo, if he's on the field, we're going to motion, we're going to run right at him, and we're basically going to, you know, we're going to take advantage of that. And, and the Bears did that. Actually, like, a spotlighter to play on one of my breakdowns. Like, it's, it was, it's exactly what they did. Um, I think, uh, so Kendall Fuller had a great season so far. I mean, he was the top five in PFF until the Bears game. Um, and then Benjamin Sanchez is a pretty solid corner as well. I think they have what they have what it takes. And then Danny Johnson has been a key reserve for Washington for years and years and years. He's a solid player. He'll give up a couple of plays and he'll but he'll play pretty like a B minus C plus, you know, coverage throughout the entire game. So it's kind of funny. It's like Emmanuel Forbes is the ball hawk, but Danny Johnson is the safe safety net. And I think what I think they'd rather go safety, just make sure it's good, make Desmond Ritter beat us. I think that might be the approach going into the game. And I truly believe, I think, I think Washington's pissed. I mean, like, I think that's the one saving grace is like, you know, it's you can't be confident at coming off an 0-4 game, but you can be angry. So I think Washington's gonna come in pretty focused and might kind of snap it up. Um, the one concern though, like I mentioned before, that's gonna be. You know, let's say DNA Johnson comes out. Let's say there's a new free safety out. Let's say Quan Martin is out. That's that's a different dynamic. If there isn't good communication, uh, it's going to basically be bad on the back end. Um, like I said one last time, when I was meeting with um, my the film breakdown on Tuesday with Nick Ackridge, um, we kind of broke it down step by step, and it was just like little. For some reason or another, Jack Dorio depended on man coverage extensively. He was like, you know, 75% of the game last game. And it was just kind of little slip-ups, like just bad discipline, like bad footwork. It was like Percy Butler, who's you'll see him on, on number 35 on on Sunday. Like he just basically like was had his body turned one way. And then basically, like, you know, in the NFL, if you're not parallel to the line, it's that one little nuance right there, it's done. It's gone. Right. So Percy Butler had bad vision on one play. You know, Kendall Fuller had some bad mistakes that way. It just kind of snowballed because the game was getting away from Washington. So I mean, we'll see what happens. Like confidence level is six, you know, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, but I, they they have the talent, you know, they have the talent, but like you can't be arrogant because you didn't see it. You know, you gotta see what happens. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's always tough to know, and uh, I never like coming coming up against a team coming off a big loss because you you know the guys are pissed about it. Uh, it can be it can be walking into you know that that famous trap game scenario, but I don't know how you could possibly consider this a trap game given that these teams are like one game apart in in the standings <laughs> essentially. So uh, it really shouldn't be a trap game for anybody at this point. But um, yeah, moving on to the the Falcons defense again, like I was saying before the show, somehow the Falcons defense is is good, um, and we didn't really see this coming, but. They're tenth in scoring. They are seventh uh, in total yardage. Um, they've they've been just overall really good. Seventh uh, in yards per play as well. They gave up a big week one to the Panthers on the ground. They gave up 150 rushing yards. But since then, I don't think they've allowed more than 100 yards on the ground, and they're allowing 3.8 mm-hmm. yards per carry on the season. So um, they're definitely getting better against the run. But against the pass, they've been one of the NFL's best pass defenses with uh, 190.8 yards passing, which is seventh. And that's with the team having only five sacks on the year. They really haven't gotten sacks, although they are, I believe, still sixth in pressure rate. So they're getting pressure on the quarterback, just not bringing them down, which is obviously not ideal. But, um, you know, the defense for the Falcons is a lot better than anyone expected. And they're going up against a Washington offense that I think has the potential to be very good when it's firing on all cylinders. You know, Terry McLaurin's one of my guys, Jahan Dotson, guy that should be, you know, more involved. But it seems like stuff is... It just hasn't come together fully. It hasn't been bad this year outside of maybe that Buffalo Bills game you mentioned, but like it just hasn't quite come together. So what do you think the, the main issue is with the commander's offense at, at this stage? Well, I think it's kind of finding themselves. I think, you know, if you if you consider Eric Benemy came from, over from Kansas City, he's a new offensive coordinator. Um, this is Sal, Sam Howell's, what, sixth start as an NFL quarterback trying to find his way as well. And um, to be honest with you, I think the takeaway, I'm I'm happy with Sam Howell. I think he's doing pretty well. You know, he was 3-0 at one point until the most recent um, slide that he's had recently with our last couple games. Um, I think he's number seven overall in the NFL in regard to passing yards. He has 1,349. Uh, he, he has six touchdown passes, one rushing touchdown. If you take away that awful, awful Buffalo Bills game, it's kind of hard to do that. But, you know, if you take that away, he would have seven total touchdowns, two interceptions, and 1,349 yards. I mean, it's pretty solid altogether. He actually had 388 yards last game, so he can throw the ball. Um, that you know, I'll always be frank though, that it was a little bit diluted because we're playing behind against the Bears. He had to throw the ball, he threw the, he threw the ball 51 times last game, and um, that's one thing I do want to address because Eric Benemy, like we we love him in DC, we like, we like the accountability that he brings, but we do kind of feel like he is more too skewed on the passing game. Like looking at it right now, he's fifth in the league for attempts, and it's a rookie quarterback that is you know trying to find his way, and he's just throwing Sam Howell out of the fire. He's going out there and throwing it, and to give Sam Howell credit, you know he's actually doing a pretty good job, but you know. Um, this is, I honestly think, you know, Atlanta's, if you had five sacks in the season, you guys are going to get three more, at least on, at least on Sunday, because I think um, Sam Howell's still trying to process. I think Sam Howell holds on to the ball a little bit too long. And our offensive line is solid, but it's not elite by any means. If anything, it's subpar. So I think you guys can definitely attack that. Um, our left tackle, Charles Leno, um, he's, you know, he'll, he'll do, he's a, average NFL left tackle. So like majority of the game, he's going to do a good job. He's going to give up like one real bad sack at the worst time. And then Andrew Wiley, our right tackle is like, we already want him gone. We got him from Kansas city. We thought he was going to basically be a great addition and he's been very susceptible. He's been, you know, been abused throughout the preseason going into the season. So, um, you know, finishing off my thought, 
you know, we talked about Brian Robinson, the other B Robinson. He's pretty solid. Like I, I do like him. Like we do commit the run to him. He's had a couple, you know, I think he has a couple hundred yards. You can pull up the exact stats, you know, three, four touchdowns. He's solid, but we don't rely on him. We rely on the passing game. And as you mentioned before, it's, it's, it's funny. If you brought over the Kansas city offense to DC, which is interesting because our offense is very West coast. It's very quick passing. It's very, um, predicated off yards after the catch as more like a one read. And what's different with Washington, it's kind of like raising eyebrows around here is instead of force feeding our stars like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, it's an even distribution. It'll be like Logan Thomas. It'll be like, you know, Curtis Samuel, like you're spreading the ball all the way around, which in theory is smart because they, you know, in theory, a good thing. Everyone's kind of getting involved, but if, if you know, Terry McLaurin's supposed to be a stud, Jahan Dotson's like, Going into the season, we had, we thought we we're gonna have two one thousand yard receivers, and Jahan Dotson's been largely absent, so kind of kind of eye opening. <clears throat> yeah, and it's just Terry McLaurin can do the short stuff, but he's really mm-hmm. good on those intermediate routes. He's really good deep too. So it's you know it's not necessarily the most advantageous thing for him right away, but we've seen that that type of player can absolutely have a role in that Kansas City offense. When you look at Tyree Kill, nobody's mm. saying Terry McLaurin's got that type of speed, but he's exactly. more than capable <laughs> of doing that. So. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a little bit of a frustrating watch, but the passing game definitely has all the pieces to work. If, if the protection can hold up, I, I like, I've always liked Sam Howell's moxie. He's just one of those guys, you know, it's just, he's going to go out, he's going to sit in that pocket and he's going to get that ball out now where the ball goes, or if he takes a terrible sack that is t- to be determined, but he's going to stand in there and he's going to take shots. And, and that can be fun to watch at least. Um, I think it, just, in, in some ways it's kind of like Taylor Heineke a little bit. Obviously I think Howell has the oh, higher ceiling, but exactly it's kind of right. like Heineke a little bit. Yeah. There, there's definitely some Taylor Heineke moxie in Sam Howell. I think, you know, I think going into the, I think it's going to be a close game, to be honest with you. And I think you guys will enjoy watching Sam Howell because he's going to throw some like pro level. He's going to have some nice, accurate throws down the field. He's He has a little bit of wiggle to him. Like he'll blitz some, he'll, you know, he's got, he's, he's kind of like a, I don't want to say he is Russell Wilson or built like he's built like Russell Wilson. So there'll be a time where like he'll get hit, kind of shake it off and run for a little bit. And like he does have that moxie. He'll take a hit, get back up. But the concern in D.C. is that he's been taking a lot of hits, sacked 29 times already this year. I think it's been QB hit 50 times, which is like on pace for like an NFL record. But he keeps playing. So I, I like the moxie, but at the same time, slide, get down, don't get hit, get rid of the ball because he, he has propensity to hold on to the ball. He's been doing that since Carolina. So we're kind of worried about that here. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and the, the Falcons are going to make him hold the ball. That was sort of their secret to beating the Texans without getting a ton of sacks was – they just blanketed all the receivers and that Texans receiving core has played very well. Um, but I, I think this one has the potential to be better, obviously with McLaurin Dotson, Curtis Samuel and the rest of those guys. But you know, the Falcons are working with AJ Terrell, who's had a great season once again, this year um, bounced back from sort of his early struggles last year. We got Jeff Okuda coming over from the lions at the other spot. Mm-hmm. He's played two games now of actual snaps and, that's been a great signing. And then Jesse Bates on the back end has been just a game changer for Atlanta. He could have had two more interceptions last week. Uh, had yeah, one right in his hands. I think he's got three interceptions already. Um, okay. And it seems like Howell, sort of like Taylor Heineke, he's, he's got a propensity to chuck that thing. Um, what's the level of concern on turnovers with, with Howell at this stage? I'm more concerned with Howell's sacking. I think I think uh, what we like about him in DC is that he basically learns from his mistakes. He basically like he he corrects himself. He self-corrects. Um, 
like I said before, he had a he had an interception last game, but it was a very very bang bang play. It wasn't like we broke it down on this film study. It was like if he threw it one second early, it would have been a big play. But basically, it was a great play by the defensive back. So that's one interception there. And then the Buffalo Bills game was four interceptions, and that's five of the six for the entire year. So I think the Buffalo Bills game was what a game where he was kind of like deer in the headlights. He's kind of had a really bad game in regard to that. So I don't think he is. I don't think that's he might have an interception potentially, but I don't like. I don't see. I don't view him as an interception machine. I think it's more of the outlier game against Buffalo. I think what will be frustrating for DC is if you guys don't have a lot of sacks. I think you guys are going to get a lot of sacks on Sunday. I'm kind of worried about that. Like he holds on to the ball. Our offensive line isn't great. Like if I was a defensive coordinator of the Falcons, that's send nickel blitzes all day long because there is communication issues where the running back won't pick up the blitz and he'll just get drilled. Like there's like every, once a game, he's like a wild blitz. He gets drilled because no one picks it up, and it's been like an issue for us. So. I would say, you know, maybe a fumble if you're looking at turn- turnovers, but I, he's not, I don't think of it as a turnover machine in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I've i also thought that was kind of overblown. Um, you know, you look at the Bills game, obviously that one was, wasn't good, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the Falcons after week five are still fifth in pressure rate with uh, 20%, 28%, 28.2%. Uh, there, they still have just five sacks, which is the lowest of any team in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um by far, by by five, actually. Um, so this is one of those things where, like you said, this could be a... I think it's a little bit of a statistical aberration to have a pressure rate that high and not have sacks. So that could be a little bit of a reverse, uh, regression to the mean situation there. But the Falcons are going to get pressure. They have a lot of guys that are good at it. David Onyemata, Grady Jarrett on the interior have been awesome. Um, Calais Campbell has been very reliable at stopping the run and getting pressure, but he doesn't exactly have that finishing speed anymore. So that might be part of it. Um, but it's really just the edge guy on the other side that hasn't been making a ton of plays for the Falcons. So we'll see if that can, can change, but they, they do, they're actually blitzing, I think less than most people thought, given that Ryan Nielsen runs that new Orleans style defense and they love to blitz the linebackers. Falcons are actually mm-hmm. only blitzing 23% of the time at this stage. Um, uh, but they've been very effective on those blitzes and have an extremely high successful pressure rate on blitzing. So, um, that could be a situation where it's sort of a, a strength and a weakness for Orlando. So we'll see if the, the pass rush can actually take over a game for a change. But um, I'm curious of Washington yeah. will run against Atlanta. It's, it sounds like it sounds like you guys are more have a pretty strong secondary. I'm curious if Washington kind of goes outside the box, starts running against you guys to see if that changes at all. Do you think your run defense is pretty strong? How would you describe that? So to, if you look at the, the year-long stats, they, they gave up that 150-yard game to the Panthers um, in mm-hmm. week one, which – that's looking more and more like an aberration from both the Panthers and the Falcons. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, you can't just take a game out of the equation. So overall now the Falcons are 15th in rushing yardage allowed at 104 yards per game, but they are 13th in yards per carry uh, with 3.8 yards per carry allowed. So they're third above average one on the season. If you take out that 150 yard Panthers game, they're well within the top 10. Um, they've, they've been very good against the run the last couple of weeks They haven't necessarily faced a murderer's row of guys. You know, Damian Pierce has had a little bit of a slow start, but they held him in check. Uh, Travis Etienne, they held down completely, more or less. Um, And then uh, they've, you know, been been good, but not great. You know, against the Packers, they only had to go against A.J. Dillon, so that was not as bad as it could have been. And then uh, against the Lions, they they only had to go against Jameer Jibs, and they they shut that down. But Mm -hmm. um, it's a good run defense. Um, it, it, it's a good run defense, but again, it, it's not perfect. Um, so it, it's not like one of the elite run defenses in the NFL. So you can get some yardage there. Um, and I, they do like to play a lot of man. So Sam Howell quarterback runs could be a factor as well. 
Gotcha. And just to give you context for the Atlanta listeners, Brian Robinson's a solid rusher. He, I wouldn't necessarily describe him as explosive, but he's more of like a, like almost like a gut punch. You know, like they'll run him, they'll run him, they'll run him, they'll run him four yards, three yards, four yards, 15 yards. It'll be like, it'll be like that. So what's what they'll do with him. Um, when Washington is in the game, they like to rely on him to kind of control the clock. Like I, like earlier, first game of the season, like 19 rushes, second game of the season, 18 rushes. Um, you know, Buffalo game got away from them. They basically had to start throwing the ball. Uh, same thing with Philadelphia, you know, 14 rushes there, but he has three touchdowns of the season. So he, he's a pretty solid running back. I think by the end of the season, he'll probably approach maybe a thousand yards, come close to it. So I can see that. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays um, pretty well. Um, Antonio Gibson is more of a receiving back. He, in Washington, we kind of have our, our, sorry, our eyebrows raised with him because he fumbles the ball a lot. He does it in really bad times as well. So we basically, he's kind of been outcast and kind of put on the back burner. But when Washington's behind, he's the guy that's on third down. They throw it to him to kind of get the little spark as our third down catchback, you know, because he does have some speed from wide receiver too. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I, I know you said earlier that you thought the run game should be more emphasized. And yet you look at just the rushing yards per game, it looks pretty anemic, right? Washington's Mm -hmm. 24th, 91 yards per game, but the yards per carry is a lot better. They're at four and a half, which is 10. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I obviously more efficient than it is, uh, than it has volume. So I think you're, you're probably onto something there. So we'll see, we'll see if that's, that's a matchup that that Washington's able to have success with, but yeah, the Falcons, obviously they, they would like to get out to a lead (laughs) and try to take (laughs) the running game out, but they have not really been able to do that outside of the, the Panthers game this year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, on that note, it's I, it's predicted to be a close game. I think Falcons are just two and a half point home favorites, which basically means it's a toss up. Um, curious what your thoughts, your predictions are uh, for this one. So I'm not taking Atlanta lightly. I think it's going to be a very close game, but I think it's just a critical game for Washington. I think it's a crossroad game. Like I think Washington's going to come out focused. They're going to they were completely embarrassed. Our our players are dialed in, and you know, for, we had a game on Thursday going into this game so we almost had a mini buy as well so we have a mini buy we have time to rest up the players are hungry the you know for 10 days i've been hearing how bad they were how embarrassed they were i you know when i'm on my earlier podcast i have washington winning 23 to 20 the score could easily be flipped on the other end but i, I do think washington is going to i think they're going to win the game because they have to if they don't it's going to be a really ugly season and things are going to kind of spiral out of control so that's kind of where i'm at i wouldn't be surprised one way or the other but if I, if I had money on it right now, it's, I'll get the win for Washington right now. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the more int- like enticing spreads of the week for for betters. But yeah, I mean, I, the Falcons, the one thing it seems like we can trust them to do is win at home. So I, I won't mm-hmm. be picking against them at home until they give me a reason not to. But I don't, you're going to get an angry commanders team uh, who are basically in the situation that the Falcons were in last week, uh, which was like Desmond is coming off his worst game. The, the mood has never been lower. You have you've scored single digits exactly. in back to back weeks. Like what exactly what right. are we gonna do? Are we gonna fall into darkness or are we gonna, you know, get up at, get up off the, the mat here? And and they got up off the mat. And this is that same situation for the commanders. Of course, if it's a close game, hard fought game, neither team's probably gonna be too upset about it. Obviously, you'd like to get the dub, but uh mostly I think we're both hoping for a little bit more of a consistent performance uh and a <laughs> dub, but you know, not, everybody can't win, right? I mean, I guess you can tie, but nobody enjoys that. It's just lame week let me so. do you mind if i ask you one or two questions before we get out of here yeah. yeah go for it so one question i guess like if you were going to kind of hang your hat on like whether the the atlanta offenses carries a team or the defense carries a team which one would you go with it and how do you feel about kyle pitts and drake london like you know they're very intriguing players i, I follow them closely going into the draft um i really 
we thought Kyle Pitts was going to be a unicorn, but he wasn't really utilized that well last year. Is he being utilized more this year? Like, so, so that's a very deep question, but what do you got right there? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the defense so far has been the stabilizing force. The defense okay. has kept this team in range of winning every single week. Uh, they completely held down the Texans while the offense was shooting itself in the foot over and over and over again last week for the base, basically first three quarters where the Falcons had one nice touchdown. Then they had two drives that dumb penalties, including a late personal foul, knocked them out of field goal range on two separate drives. Then they had two drives in the second half where they fumbled the ball away. Uh, at least one of those would have been at least a field goal drive. So they, they left nine points on the field just for dumb stuff. And the defense mm-hmm. held the Texans to, I believe it was, uh, three or four field goals and then one late touchdown um, and then a bunch of punts just wouldn't. And even some of those were, were in Falcons territory. Uh, so the defense has, has been great, way better than expected. And they're going to play a good game. It's, it's hard to move the ball against this Falcons defense. They, they, they tend to give up like a, a big pass play pretty much every drive, like a 10 to 25 yarder, but then they will just lock down after that. Um, so I don't know if that's, you know, they brought in Jeff oh, and they've had some shuffling. Um, but they, they typically lock down and they've been very good on third down and on fourth down, going back to the preseason, they've allowed like one of 10 tries on fourth down. So, um, they've been an excellent third and fourth down defense. They're going to be very hard to, to move the ball against. Um, so the one thing is that they don't get a lot of sacks. And so to me, that's even more impressive how many drives they've shut down considering they're not getting sacks, which are so drive they killers. Zone, I guess? Is that what happens? Is they pretty much like have like soft coverage in zone and like, that's why they're not generating the pass rush or what's going on there. No, they, they play man. Most of the time okay. they're going to, they're okay. going to play up on you. They're going to challenge you and they have the corners to do it now. And they like to do it. They do. They haven't been blitzing as much as I sort of expected them to. And I wonder I, I think that they're ready to do that, but they're sort of waiting for the offense to do what it's supposed to do, which is to get a lead. And then once gotcha. the offense gets a lead, I think they're going to be pretty relentless. We've seen them um, in games when they've gotten a lead and an opportunity to close out the game on defense. They typically get very aggressive instead of... Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of DNPs, right? Which is who they had last year, which is lots of soft zone, keep it all in front of us, limit mistakes. These guys are, are going to play aggressive. And if they get a lead on offense, they will start to be pretty relentless with their blitzing. Um, again, haven't had a lead very much, uh, the last three weeks. So we haven't seen as much blitzing, but, um, yeah, they, they're very different than they've been in the past. They're going to not, they're not going to give up much space and coverage. They're going to play a lot of man. And, um, the one position that typically has had some success has been tight ends. Um, tight ends have typically gotten over their receiving totals against the Falcons. You know, they gave up that, that late touchdown against the Texans to Dalton Schultz. Uh, they, Evan Ingram had a good game against them as well. Week one, Hayden Hurst had a good game. Um, so they, and Sam Laporta had a great game against them. There was a busted coverage that he got a touchdown off of. So, um, they haven't given up a lot to tight ends, but they've given up more to tight ends than most other positions. Uh, so, but they're going to challenge receivers. They've been very hard to, to throw the ball against consistently. Um, but on offense, yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. That's interesting to know, like, Logan Thomas has actually been pretty featured pretty well for Washington. He's more of our red zone threat too. So like when you're watching the game, don't be surprised if they target him in the red zone. Like he's been pretty yeah. good about that this year. <clears throat> yeah. That that's been the one spot that there's been more, more miscommunications in particular with what they're doing. Um, because mm-hmm. I think they like, they like to do a lot of disguises and things like that as well. Jesse Bates loves to hunt the ball in the middle of the mm-hmm. field. And to do that, they, a lot of times will play that man up front and then zone on the mm-hmm. back end. Um, 
so I think that has led to some coverage busts in that middle section there with guys not realizing that it's supposed to be not this, not the same coverage <laughs> as the guys in the front are playing. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, it's been few and far between. And even considering, like, I think I think 14 or 21 of their points allowed have come off of busted coverages. So they, um, you know, they don't have a lot of them, but they've, they've allowed scores off of them. Um, so that, that has happened a few times, but overall, very good defense. Um, you know, you mentioned Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Drake London, I don't think anyone has concerns about. I think last year he proved that he could be a number one. Again, not the most dynamic receiver in terms of like long speed, but he's very physical and has some moves after the catch. Um, he had a great spin move last week against the Texans to pick up a critical first down. And he's just a, a great jump ball, great contested catch guy who's going to come down with it more often than not. And Kyle Pitts, he had that season ending knee injury. Uh, I think it was week 11 or week 12 last year. And, you know, he's still been sort of coming back from that slowly. But I think last week you could still tell that he's not 100% in terms of his long speed. But he's starting to get more comfortable going up and getting the ball. Uh, and last week was, I think, his best game in quite some time. He had, I think, six for 87 and led the team. Um, so he's definitely someone they want to be. Like, Drake London and Kyle Pitts are going to be the top two targets. That's what they want. And more mm-hmm. often than not, Kyle Pitts might even be playing outside. Uh, they just traded for J- Van Jefferson this week, actually. So I, I don't expect him to be involved in the game plan now. But they want more speed out there alongside those two. And I think they really like Jefferson because, much like Kyle Pitts, they can either line him up in the slot or outside and do some funky stuff with their formations and bunch formations and all that stuff, which they love. Arthur Smith is a, is a maniac with how he does his, his <laughs> formations. So, Yeah. Cool. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, good stuff there, George. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun one. I think one of the more underrated games of the week. I think these two teams are both kind of so. spicy. Um, and it could also, it could be an all hell breaks loose sort of game where this is like 35 to 32 or something. Um, I think I'm going to go a little bit more conservative and say like 27 to 23 or something like that Falcons. But, um, yeah, I don't think the commanders are as bad as they looked last week. And I don't think the Falcons are as good as they looked, uh, at, at times last week. Um, you know, so we'll see maybe a little more consistent picture for these teams are this week. (laughs) This is definitely a game I circled going into the season because I feel like, you know, half the NFC is going to go to the playoffs anyway. And it, but if we were, either one of us are going to hope to go to the playoffs. We have to win games like this to kind of break it apart from the kind of separate from the pack. So it's going to be a big game. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. And probably a vital game in terms of potential wild card exactly seeding, right. like you said. So exactly right. we're all the Falcons fans, you know, over in the NFC South, we're probably going to have aspirations to win the division title. Uh, I love it. Forever, you know, given who else is in this division. <laughs> It's it's a little bit the more difficult for the commanders this year with with the Eagles, the Eagles. sort of uh, mm-hmm. just lording over everyone. But um, wild card absolutely in play, I think, for the commanders. And I think I had the commanders as my seventh seed going into the year. There you go. So I'm still still thinking that's a potentially uh, a potential outcome. But just depends. Things got to stabilize. Defensive issues got to get fixed. Um, right. Yeah. For once, the Falcons aren't saying that about their defense. So some kind of bizarro <laughs> world where the, the commander's defense is struggling and the Falcons defense is top 10. So I don't know. I don't know what happened, but that's that's why we watch this this silly league, because this kind exactly of stuff right. happens every single year. So George, really appreciate it, guys. He's at GCarmy21. George, let the people know where they can find your stuff, your show, all that good stuff. 
So, Kevin, man, it's been a year since I collaborated with you. I love it, man. It's been awesome. It's kind of freestyling for about an hour. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was really great. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is George Carmi. I'm at G Carmi 21. I write for Full Press Coverage. Um, every Monday and Tuesday, I do a show called Command the Mic on YouTube. I work with my guy, Big Doug. He's also a big commander's guy. We usually do like game recaps on Monday. And the best part, you really like X's and O's. We're so lucky. One of our PFF writers is a huge commander fan. He joins our show. We really break it down step by step. What happened? We pick five major plays of the game and break it down. Like, you know, X's and O's what happens. So if you're a big football nerd on Tuesdays, come watch that show. It's really good. Appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. Check out that stuff, guys. It's just good if you if you like watching X's and O's too. You don't have to necessarily just be a commander's fan right. to get something out of that. Might be so fun definitely. for the Falcons to want to watch the defense and all that. Oh yeah, cool. yeah. I know this week you guys should have no excuses because they're gonna there's gonna be some Falcons <laughs> talk, good or bad. Maybe they'll be more likely to watch it if the Falcons win. I don't know. But um Exactly. Yeah. Uh appreciate it, George. Definitely check that out, guys. Everyone, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcohol. Kevin, thanks for turning into Dirty Birds. And Bruce, uh, we'll be back, of course, for the post-game coverage uh, on Sunday after the game. You can follow me at Falcoholic Kevin. Please like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. We will see you next time here on the podcast. Until then, folks, have a great day. Today's show, of course, was presented by Bet Online. Until next time, guys, have a great night.